And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you, friends, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers can be really difficult. I think we all know that at this point, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Friends, I know I tend to get excited about our guests. We have amazing guests on the Startup Hustle podcast, but today the guest that we will be speaking with represents a, a cause and a topic and a subject that is near and dear to my heart and is probably near and dear to close to, let's say, 51% of the population in some form or another. Uh, but we're going to be talking with Dr. Lindsay Harper, founder and CEO of Rosie. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Dr. Harper. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm so excited for this conversation. Well, thanks for having me, Lauren. I appreciate the opportunity and I'm so excited to dive in. Oh, we're going to have a blast. Well, so, so let's frame, I'm going to frame the conversation for our audience just a little bit. And I'm going to say that friends, today we're going to be talking about a lot of topics and issues related to sexual health and wellness. And, you know, we, we've talked about some of these topics time and time and again and on the show. I love talking about it. I'm excited to attack it with Dr. Harper. Lindsay, tell us, tell us about your journey. Yeah, well, I mean, that is such an such a fun question that, uh, you know, I can start from from a long time ago, but I always knew that I wanted to be a physician when I was growing up. My my answer when I was a little girl was that I either wanted to be a doctor or a babysitter, and I've been able to do both. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of variance in those two. I mean, I guess like the through line is helping people, maybe. Yeah, or just like I don't know, people. a lot of social. There's a lot of social aspects, yeah, and caring. And I I love kids, but that's another yeah. that's another topic. For okay, day, okay. But, so babysitter, um, doctor, and clearly you went doctor. I went doctor. I went, well, went I got doctor. enough babysitting out of, out of the way in, you know, high school that I'm, I felt like I checked that box off. So, okay. um, yeah. So then I just went straight, um, from college actually had the opportunity to be a labor and delivery technician, um, which was a super, um, insightful, you know, year or two of my life. And then I went to, when I went to medical school, I always had a little tie to women's health because of that experience. And so, you know, there's a lot of things I love about women's health. And I really feel like that is the, you know, the, that is the field that I'm meant to be in, that I'm called to. Um, and there are several reasons. The first is that I love to develop lifelong relationships with patients and you don't get to do that in surgical fields of medicine traditionally, but sure. I also love surgery. And so um, OBGYN offers you the ability to do both. You get to, you know, develop lifelong relationships with patients, but you also, it's obviously very procedure heavy in terms of birth and, um, you know, all types of different surgeries and procedures. So it allowed, it was kind of the best of both worlds. That's um, really cool. I yeah. Like yeah. I, well, so I can, I, can I ask you a question? I, I've always wondered this. 
what does it feel like to usher a new human being into the world? Because I imagine that oh. you probably do that a lot. <laughs> I do. Um, and I, I did rather. And I still practice now as a hospitalist. So I still get to do that every once in a while. But um, I mean, honestly, it's pretty like the word I could cry thinking about it first and foremost is how it feels. Um, that was not my word, intention. Yeah. Like feel free. I can't hand you a tissue or anything, but that was not the no. intent. But you know, this is, this is a brave space. <laughs> it's an, truly the, the word that comes to mind and the feeling that, uh, that you feel in that situation is just, it's truly an honor. Um, it's an honor actually to be a women's health physician because you get to be there not only for you know, some of the best times, which are sometimes births, but also some of the very worst times. And, you know, to hold a patient's hand um, through any of those journeys is really significant in my life and in hopefully in the lives of my patients. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how that's I love I love so much about it. That's that is incredible. Well, so talk to us about Rosie. Yeah, uh, you, know, you have that you have this focus and you have this knowledge and you're, you're yeah. doing incredible things. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So when I was in private practice, um, I was, you know, going through these journeys with my patients and I felt pretty competent at most of the things I was supposed to be doing with them and for them. Um, and something that kept coming up was sexual health problems. And a lot of times when I say sexual health, people think I'm automatically meaning STIs. Um, but I was actually very well-trained in how to treat STIs, but something that yeah. I didn't know what how to do was to help women who were coming in Multiple times a day, I had patients saying, you know, Dr. Harper, I love my partner, but I literally don't care if we ever have sex again. And yeah. I feel like I'm about to, like, we're about to separate. And also, like, just missing that side of themselves. Lots of women with sexual pain, which is so common. Lots of women with dryness, diminished or trouble with orgasm. Like, as they age, their orgasm just kind of gets blah. And, you know, we're just, there was so much that my patients were dealing with, and I had had zero training. Um, yeah. which is different than my training for men's sexual health, which is interesting. I spent two weeks in an erectile dysfunction clinics at the VA. So at so a government like the full, the full spectrum of, yeah. of genital focus. <laughs> exactly. But I never, but here's the thing is that even as an OBGYN, I never had that same training for women's sexual health. And it, yeah. it didn't even occur to me until my patients were needing so much help. And I was like, wait, why did I, why do I know so much more about ED than I do about any of these things that my patients are complaining yeah. about? And and so I started to really kind of become obsessed as one does with the topic. And I was asking around in a group of OBGYNs, like, hey, do y'all have, like, is this just my patients or do y'all have the same? And they were all like, oh my gosh, like we have so many patients with these needs. And I learned that 43% of women have a sexual health concern. That's like nearly half of our patients that we're all treating. But generally speaking across the country, OBGYNs are not trained in women's sexual health. And it's really just because it's not represented within the healthcare system at all. Yeah. Um, women's sexuality is really looked at as a function of reproduction, as a function of men's pleasure. And, and like I said, when it comes to STIs, but whether or not we want to have sex or we have pleasure from it, or we maybe even have pain from it, doesn't seem to rise to the, <laughs> to the list yeah. of problems that medicine wants to solve. And so, yeah, well, yeah. that is so interesting. And I want to drill down on that just a little bit. And, and I'm going to start, I'm going to tell a little story. Uh, but actually, just just very, very recently, I went out for a coffee with a, a group of women. I do that often by the nature of what I do. Um, and, and so we were talking. I wasn't feeling well. 
because I, I, I had my period <laughs> and I was talking about the fact that like, I, I was so, you know, run down and I felt terrible and I was like, you know, I felt very bloated, like five times my normal size. Uh, and, and we're talking, and I wasn't getting like too graphic, but I, I was just like, Hey, you know, I really don't feel well, but if I weren't exclusively in the company of women right now, I wouldn't be able to express that beyond euphemism. Like right. I wouldn't be able to say like, Hey, you know, I'm on my period right now. I got a headache or, or whatever right. it is. I'm feeling pretty tired because it's just something we don't talk. It, it, we don't talk about menstruation. And I mean, that's like one symptom of a very large issue. The fact that we do not talk about women's sexual health and our sexual wellness in terms of things like pleasure Right. We don't talk about the health issues because they're seen as squicky and, and dirty. And like, I can't totally. think of too many other health problems that like we dare not speak its name in public, you know, they, and, and they tend to be like, you know, when we're talking about pooping or, you know, those are the right. things that we don't talk about, but we're not talking about menstruation. We're not talking about all of these things. And so this is this is a large, widespread problem. And part of the reason that it's a problem is that, you know, it's a really, it's a pain in the ass to have your period yeah. and not be able to express that. I'm cranky. I just want to be like, hey, back off. Now is not the time because right. I have my period. But the other piece of that is, you know, we miss out on funding for women's health issues because yeah. the scientific community hasn't necessarily caught up and realized that, hey, this is a problem because we we don't talk about it. Exactly. So, you know, there are all of these issues that culminate in this giant snarl of misunderstanding, miseducation, stigma, and mm. shame around very natural biologic challenges, issues, problems, and things, areas of focus, right? So I just Absolutely. did like a whole blah, blah, blah thing. I would love but to it's so true. About it. <laughs> it's so true. And that is so like, that is so prevalent in so many areas of women's health, whether it's like, as you mentioned, menstruation or sexual health, but also menopause also like, yeah. you know, leak, leaking urine, like just, it's one thing after another. And because we've just kind of grinned and bared it for so long, because it's, right. you know, it's the woman's date or whatever. And it's just kind of join the club and we've all been through it. And I think we, even as women sort of internalize and then project a lot of this misogyny because we're taught the same things that everyone yeah. else is taught. And so it's really, it's a lot to untangle, but I think when people kind of see the light where they're like, wait a minute. And you know, it's always helpful, I think to, to kind of correlate, like if, if a bunch of guys were struggling with any of these symptoms, would they just be grinning and bearing it? Absolutely it's not. Nor would I want to feel. Like it's, I, it's yes. not like this is a, a, a small right. data set. We're talking about a significant portion of the population. Exactly. At some exactly. point in their life, they're going to deal with this stuff. With this yeah. stuff. I know exactly. I have a t-shirt. I didn't wear it today, but I should have that. I, I had heard from, I was literally going to pull my hair out from so many investors that, oh, this is such an interesting niche. That's what we say in the South. And I'm like, so I finally made a shirt that says it's not a niche, B-I-T-C-H, because I'm so tired of hearing it's you know, not you a know niche. You can cuss on the show, right? I've already okay, like no, dropped a couple know. of bombs. <laughs> I'm just, it's just beyond me that anyone could call women's health a niche or to say that it's saturated. Like I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much work to do. It's going to take us 
you know, definitely like a hundred years to undo all of this I'm, stuff. And I'm I absolutely amazed at the fact that anybody could think the market is saturated when the fact oh. is, Dr. Harper, we haven't even figured out what we the haven't problems even are yet. How exactly. can, how can the solutions started. market be saturated when we don't I, know what the problem is? <laughs> I, I could not agree more. Yeah. And there's no data. I mean, there, we are limited by so many different variables yeah. that to your point, when we don't talk about it, when we don't think even as women that we deserve better because we haven't been taught that we deserve better. We've been, then, taught, we've been taught that we should maintain the status quo. We don't right. want to make others around us uncomfortable, uncomfortable. talking about these issues right. because it's going to gross somebody out. And it's like, it, at some point you have to say, Hey, 12 year old boys, get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> well, Just let us talk about this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think there are people, I mean, in my experience, there are many people who really do want to know more and who want to have these conversations. And then it's up to the ones of us who aren't afraid to have the conversations to do so and to do so loudly, just like, like today. But I think, you know, one struggle is that you know, there is this idea of silence sort of blocks innovation, but also silence is sort of the breeding ground for shame. Yeah. And that really, that really prevents women from number one, connecting with each other on these topics, which increases the isolation and the embarrassment that sometimes we feel about these sensitive topics because they're not talked about openly. And it also magnifies sort of, or I should say exaggerates the problem where it might just be a simple medical issue, but then it gets extrapolated into self-identity, like, oh, I'm a terrible like woman or partner or whatever because yeah. X, Y, Z, or my relationship is, is doomed because of this, or I'm a terrible X. And so it's like, wait, this is just a medical issue. Like we can solve this, but yeah. because we're not having these conversations and pushing innovation forward through funding and, and research and development, they, we, we feel really stuck oftentimes as women, which could me can make, feel very isolating um, and hopeless. And that's really, you know, the, the challenges that we're here to solve. And I know it's going to take, you know, millions of us over hundreds of years, but I'm 100% confident that, that we'll do it and that we are doing that work right now. Absolutely. Well, and I almost feel like, like we're on the folks who are, are able, willing, and have the capacity to have these conversations, like you're, it's like you're pioneers in a whole uh -huh. new world. I mean, we, you know, the, the research I, again, like we, we've talked about this, but like the research has not caught up to the need for sure. Absolutely. And so I find it, I don't know, it, it's problematic on many different levels. And I think that one of the things that Dr. Harper and I share is a desire to eradicate this stigma around. Totally. Say, like, I don't have a problem telling, like, if I come to you and say I have a migraine, I'm like, it's a stabbing pain right here in my head. You know, we have yeah. no problem talking about our health, our wellness, our medical issues until it gets into this very squicky, stigmatized <laughs> sexual wellness category. And then it's like, oh, nope, can't talk about it. So, right. so let's not do that. Uh, listeners at home, this is your <laughs> one piece of your actionable advice for today. And that's don't do that. Don't be afraid to talk about these things. Don't be afraid Absolutely. To, to to share because if you're if you're experiencing issues, the only way you're going to get at a solution is by telling somebody about it. Somebody who can help. That's you. right. Somebody like that's Dr. exactly Harper. right. 
<laughs> well, and that's, that's the whole point. So, you know, basically I started becoming obsessed with this, you know, area and I went to an organization called the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. I became a fellow of that organization and I decided to start Rosie, which is an evidence-based platform that offers interventions for women's sexual health problems. And the mission of the company, literally like words out of your mouth, are to erase sexual shame and isolation for women who have sexual health problems. Because that's really where that's really where we have to start is sort of wiping off that very thick layer of grime that so many of yeah. us feel about these issues so that we can get down to business and we yes. can, you know, get people to the resources that they need and and help them to understand that they don't have to suffer in silence and that they deserve to live you know, a full and, and healthy sex life, just like they deserve to, to live a full and healthy life in general. Um, so that's really what Rosie was sort of born out of that experience and frustration with that exact mission um, as our focus. I, I love that so much. And I, I, I don't even know the minutia of the work that you do. And I'm sure that it's a lot, but I, I am thrilled that we have someone like you advocating from the inside the industry out. So let's, let's distribute the message. Well, thank so, you. So talk to us. Rosie is a, it's a freemium. It, it's free, right? Freemium app. You can, da- right? yeah, you can download it for free. And then okay. there are three different subscription levels, depending on the level of support that somebody wants. So it was really important to me that it be a freemium model because this is such a sensitive area for so many women. And I needed an opportunity to build trust, right? With the people that were sort of coming to us, like, sure. is Rosie inclusive? Is this lady legit? Are they trying to sell me a bunch of stuff? You know, I I want people to have the experience to know that we are, in fact, super inclusive, that everything that we talk about on the platform is evidence-based. And we're just there to connect women to, you know, if they need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, like, we'll we'll tell you, you know, like, hey, you probably should be evaluated. Or if you need to go back to see your OBGYN, or if you need to maybe chat with a sex therapist, we're there to kind of connect the dots for women and their health and we're not there to sell products or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I love that. And and honestly, I feel as though I love the fact that you are viewing it as a trust building opportunity. Like I, I feel as though often, maybe maybe not often, but sometimes with doctors, women and uh, in particular folks from the BIPOC community, like we're not listened to. And I feel sure. like a lot of people feel that like the healthcare industry is very exploitative. And yeah. you know, I mean, think about like, I, I don't understand how my two aspirin can cost $17 at the hospital and like right. $17 for a whole bottle. Like I don't understand. And so, so I feel like building up that trust has to be a pretty integral totally. part of your process. Like we want to show that you're almost building up your credibility by building sure. up your trust. And and so I, I love that you've done that. One of the things that I love about Full Scale, today's episode sponsor, is the fact that they are a trusted source. I don't know if you've heard about this, Dr. Harper, but finding expert software developers is, is pretty difficult. I don't know if you've ever had to do it, but it's tough. But when you visit- It Full is Scale, very tough. Very it's so tough. tough. Yes. But here's the deal. When you visit fullscale.io, you can build a software team quickly and affordably. They have a whole platform you can use to define your technical needs. And then you can see what available developers, testers, leaders, see which ones are ready to join your team. So visit fullscale.io to learn more. Friends, today we are with Dr. Lindsay Harper. She is the founder and CEO of Rosie, and we're talking about all kinds of sexy stuff. And if that piqued your interest, stick around for the biology part of the conversation. That's (laughs) right. 
Yeah. But Dr. Harper, talk to us. How ha- I'm going to give you a chance to brag on yourself here, actually. I want to hear about how access to Rosie is impacting your, your clients, your customers, I'm not sure, your patients' lives. Like I'm not sure what you call yeah. but the folks that you serve through Rosie, how are they reacting? Absolutely. What are they dealing with? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's lots of different ways to answer this question, but I, being a physician, love to answer it from a data standpoint. Oh, give it, give um, us yeah. the quantitative. <laughs> <laughs> I love to start with the quantitative. Um, so, yeah, we were able to, I mean, we we share our data at all types of medical conferences. I'm speaking at the National OBGYN conference here in two weeks and spoke there last year as well. Um, so we're really excited to share that, you know, Rosie used have experienced a statistically significant improvement in all areas of sexual health, including desire, arousal, lubrication, and orgasm after use of the platform. And more, more, even more exciting, the more they use the platform, the more improvement they saw. Um, so that has made us very <laughs> proud. Yes, the doctors at Cedars-Sinai reviewed the sexual health platforms for women and found Rosie to be the only one suitable for recommendation to patients. We have now more than 8% of OBGYNs in the country recommending Rosie to their patients, more than 5,000 doctors and therapists. So it's good. I, you know, I'm, I'm amazing. So, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. We've, I mean, obviously it's a ton of hard work and we work hard every single sure. day. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very committed. Like if I'm going to do something in this space, I have to make sure that what we're working on is actually working uh, for the women that we're serving. And we've heard, you know, on the qualitative side, from so many of our, our members, we heard from one woman who was in her 60s, who was diagnosed with breast cancer 30 years ago, and no one had ever talked to her about the sexual ramifications of breast cancer and her treatment for breast cancer. And yeah. she had, had not had um, not painful sex in 30 years. And then she found Rosie on recommendation of her gynecologist and now is having not painful sex. Like I just uh, like stories after like that. After 30 years? Like, after 30 years. That's my whole point. Like that's this, incredible. She thought that just, she just had to live with it because she wasn't that was talking her life. about it. <laughs> exactly. That was her life story. And I just, it's, it's conversations and, and, you know, people just sending us emails like that. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is God's work. Like I'm just yes. obsessed because round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. I'm clapping it around right now. <laughs> well, yes. Yay. And that's the thing. It's like, none of this it's not that hard. That's the title of my talk that I give that I'm giving. It's to not this that year. hard. It's yeah, I, women's sexual health. It's not that complicated. Like that's the narrative that we've all been taught. Like, oh, men are like a light switch, and women, woo, Pandora's box. It's like, well, yeah. that's not helpful. We're never going to get our problem solved if it's like Pandora's box, right? But I, right. and the way that I challenge the box, the there are organisms in it. Yes, come on, <laughs> just see what's in there. And so, yeah, it's like it's worth it's worth it's worth solving. It's worth talking yeah. about because it can change. It truly can change people's lives and self-concept. And I just, I'm obsessed. You know, we have women on our platform from 17 to 83. Um, we offer personalized um, uh, programming for women and it speaks to all different aspects of their life. One thing I love about the platform is that um, we I got to do it however I wanted to do it. And I think healthcare should be like uh, should really view people as whole people. And so we have content that speaks to different religious aspects of, of people's sort of upbringing and context that speak to um, 
you know, are they in a partnered relationship? Are they caring for young children? What are their sexual health problems and what are their sexual health goals? And then we offer them, you know, tactical solutions or next step recommendations to kind of get to where they want to be. We have a library of female focused erotica, both audio and written, which is an evidence based tool. I thought you would like that one. I do. Virtual. I do. Well, it's really difficult to find good quality yeah. pornographic materials that are that are focused around. So I, I believe that the data shows time and time again that women tend to like more narrative driven porn. They like, That's you right. know, the, yeah. the softer lights and the lighter angles. And, and, it, and it, that is a, a tendency, but it's really difficult to find it that. Is. It is. And we have, yeah, so our our erotica editor used to be a sex therapist, and now she's an erotica editor and writer. So she's like my perfect person for this job because she helps us. Yeah. So she helps us to to create erotica with specific goal, sexual health goals in mind. Like all, we are all about pleasure, but we yeah. also want women who are trying to increase desire to be able to learn and use erotica for those goals. If they're looking to increase, you know, uh, orgasms, if they're looking to spice things up with their partners, we've created erotica for specific subsets of women. Like we have a huge, as I mentioned, breast cancer group of women on the platform. And we made erotica specifically for those women that doesn't mention nipples or breasts, because oftentimes that has a negative effect on their, their pleasure and feelings of arousal. So it offers us a really unique opportunity to say, Hey, this is an evidence-based tool. I talk about erotica as a prescription. There's no side effects. It's relatively inexpensive. And for most people, 90% of women who have uh, who have a sexual health problem are, are helped by erotica in some way or another. Yeah. So it's really cool to look at it from a medical perspective, as well as, you know, a piece of the platform. We also have community on the platform and then we offer live workshops. The one we did last month was how to talk to your kids about sexual health. This month is, I think it hasn't been announced yet. So I'm going to zip my lips. Oh, okay, um, okay. And then, yes, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with Keep an eye out. Exactly. Cool coming from Rosie soon. Keep an eye, keep an eye. <laughs> but we have all of our past events recorded. So anybody, any of our members can watch at any time. And then the the highest tier of membership is um, individual coaching with one of our, our sex coaches. And the, the leader, the lead sex coach is a physician turned sexual counselor turned life coach. So it's just so fun. And one thing wow. I was talking about earlier, like I, I think I've been, something I've been toying around with lately is how can we create a healthcare journey that not only empowers women on the healthcare journey, but can also like be expanded to empower and increase agency of women just in their lives yeah. in total, right? Because like, to your point, it was like, Hey, a lot of us don't, we are not listened to in healthcare. Like what if we could offer an opportunity for women to not only be listened to in healthcare, but to give them the skills, the knowledge, the empowerment that they need, that they can use those in other areas of their lives as well. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. So, so this is so interesting. I, I have like so many things that I, that I want to drill down on, but first thing I'm, I'm going to tell another story. So we had a virtual happy hour for innovator and one of our active members, uh, she's actually been on startup hustle before. Her name is uh, Kristen Thomas. She is a sex coach. Um, she had episodes that performed very well on startup hustle. I got to interview her, I think once or twice and Matt has interviewed her. Like she's, she's a super cool lady, but we're having a conversation virtually. It's kind of the height of the pandemic. We're doing this 
online happy hour thing and they were pretty fun but we go around and I, I think one of the i always had a prompt question we would do intros and then a prompt question and i think my my prompt question that time was how do you engage in self-care and mm. so people started like listing things in the comments and started shouting out answers and people were like manicures and uh yeah. so so kristen came in and i hope she won't mind that i'm telling on her a little bit but i can't imagine she would but she comes into the chat and she's like, you know, I like to go for a run. I like to masturbate. I like to do and like pick up a book. And I didn't think I saw it come across. I didn't think anything of it because the fact is like innovate her. One of my big kind of foundational beliefs is that women are comprehensive beings, dynamic. Absolutely. Beings. And part of that is health and sexual wellness. And part of that is sex and passion. And like that is part totally. of being a woman. It's part of being a human. A human. All of those exactly. things are part of being a human. And so somebody, so she put this in the chat and I had like three people reach out to me and be like, are you going to kick her out? Like she just said masturbate. And I'm like, no, Yeah. <laughs> did, did you want me to? Like, I, I mean, she wasn't going on and yeah. on and on. She wasn't getting graphic about it. And again, like it speaks to that. That was internalized shame. And right. Sure. Around sex. Like if you can't even see the word masturbate in a room of adults who right. have presumably probably masturbated in their right. life, like if you can't say the word, that's a little concerning, you know, right. so we have this, we've created the society of this world where all of these things are totally verboten to talk about. And so we leave human beings with a large part of who they are unacknowledged, unexplored, mm. and unhealthy. Right. You know, yeah. You don't talk about it and it's unhealthy. And so, so like the work that you're doing, I, I, I'm totally going to download the app. I'm so excited about the app. Thank you. I, I, had, I, I actually, I have to tell you, I was not aware of the Rosie app. Well, but, now you are. Uh, now I am. I'm going to yes. hop off this episode and I'm going to download it. But I really just want to commend you for being a a revolutionary in a very oh. uh, buttoned up space. You know, I was, I would, little fun fact about me, but I was a sex and relationships editor for a Midwestern oh, blog very cool. Girl's Guide to the Galaxy for, for several years. And I loved my job and I got to write about the coolest stuff. Uh, my personal favorite was environmentally conscious dildos. Thank you. Oh, wow. Important. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, but I love, I love talking about and thinking about this stuff because I feel as though it's such a, a huge part of humanity like it is and and to limit it to to leave it so unexplored and so shameful it worries right. me how do you deny such a core component of who you are absolutely right? absolutely and i think that message your message that you just shared resonates with everyone i think everyone gets that at the core and i think when we are looking to open up conversations about this prefacing it with that like hey is it can't we all agree that this is important? And why have we not been given the, those safe spaces that we need to have these conversations? And that's really the whole entire premise of the company is, hey, here's the digital health platform, but also how can I train as many physicians and other healthcare professionals as possible to be able to start these conversations? How right. can we model for not only physicians, but for women, for our partners, to how to have these conversations, that's what's really missing because there's so many people who want to do this once they've heard that message, but they physically don't know how. And they have so much of that shame that we were all brought up with that they don't even know the words to say, right? You and I have done a lot of work uh, through our professional careers and our personal lives where we are now comfortable to literally talk about this like 
in any car in any situation. It kind of rolls off the tongue for me. <laughs> Vagina. Not everybody enjoys that, that level of freedom, and that's that's okay. And that's Come okay. On, on exactly. Come on the journey with us. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say somebody asked me once what my superpower was, and I was like, I can get on stage and say vulva and penis and orgasm without like literally <laughs> thinking a second thought. That's that's my superpower. But that's only because I've practiced. I haven't yeah. always been that way. And that's what, that's the gift I think we can, you know, it's like once we get people to, they're, they're semi-educated or they can at least acknowledge that we're on the same page, then the next step is to really model how to have these conversations. And yes, you probably don't want to go on podcasts and talk about this. That's fine. But can you have a conversation with your partner? Can you have yeah. a conversation with your healthcare provider? And can you figure out how to get through this without that much shame with your children? Those yeah. those are the things we're trying to accomplish in phase one um, well, so of this entire. Actually, that actually begs a fabulous question. And I'm sorry that I interrupted you, but I need to no, ask it's good. before I forget it. But, you know, one of the things we, I, I mentioned this earlier, and I, I mentioned this at almost every episode that I host. I love giving folks actionable advice. Totally. Hey, listeners, we're not asking you to go out and become a menstrual equity advocate. We're not asking you to go out and become an OBGYN. But, you know, what are some ways that the average listener at home, these startup founders and amazing entrepreneurs that listen to the show, what can they do to help propel the revolution forward? And so you said something really, really good. Talk to your kids. You know, yeah, don't absolutely. call it a wussy or a hoo-ha or whatever it is. Yes, like, a, a JJ, kitty cat. There's, there's and, thousands. And that, just, you know, that actually speaks to sexual safety because you need to be sure. clear. You need to teach children what to name their parts so that they know how to talk about their parts. If someone ever tried to violate them, if someone ever tried to touch them in inappropriate places, not everybody's going to know what a sissy is, but everybody's going to know what a vagina is, right? Totally. so we need to, to kind of create a lexicon that everybody can understand. Um, but, but yeah, what are some other things that listeners at home can do to get more comfortable with their own sexuality, the sexuality of their partner, their family? Like what are some, some actionable things? You know, I think the first place to start is really through education, because I think until we learn, and this was where I started for myself, I was an OBGYN and didn't know about any of this stuff. And there's some great places to go to get educated. Obviously, I made one called Rosie, but there are also other like amazing places. One of my favorite, a couple of my favorite books, um, one of the sex therapists that I am obsessed with, her name is Lori Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z. She wrote a book called Becoming Clitorate. She's amazing. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. She's the best. And then another great book is called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. And there's tons of great podcasts. Um, one is called You Are Not Broken by another physician friend um, named Kelly Casperson. So there's just, I mean, if you want to just start by like taking, you know, a few weeks to just learn whatever you can and kind of hone in on, you know, what's going on with you or what's going on with your partner or someone in your life that I think that's the perfect place to start because you'll start to not only understand the concepts, but hear the language that's used to talk about these things. And that will hopefully empower you to start a conversation in the right way, which is to say, Hey, you know, I have something that's very important to me. And if it's with your partner, you could say, you know, my goal here is to create sort of the best sexual relationship that that we can, because I yeah. think that that's important. And I, I hope that you do too. And that's the preface for the conversation, right? So it's no, it's not like you're 
judging them. You're not even judging yourself, but you can just yeah. ask them to partner with you kind of on this journey. And I think the more we allow for ourselves to think of sexual health and to think of sexuality even as a, as a lifelong journey that's flexible, that we know is going to change based on our own health, based on our partner's health, based on sort of external influences, then we know that we have the skills to navigate, you know, each sort of twist and turn in that journey, because sexual health is never checked off. It's never accomplished. It's never done. Um, but what we need at baseline are just the skills to navigate the twists and turns. And that starts 100% with education and communication. All right. But how cool would it be if you could just like go into the, you know, reproductive health shop and have them check everything off and have it be done. Just be like, I'm, I'm finished. Wouldn't that be like, so cool? Like everything serviced and, yeah. and maintained and, you know, it's totally fine. Okay. But here's the cool thing. I just have to pass along this message. I talk to my kids about this all the time. I'm like, our bodies are so freaking amazing. Like we have tried so hard to make, you know, even one, one millionth of our body systems in the lab and, you know, uh, through science. And it is nearly impossible to do. And the fact that we have all of these things happening at the exact same time for, you know, however, 84 years or however long we're going to live is absolutely mind blowing. So when we think of the, the fanciest car or like the most powerful rocket and how much maintenance it needs the the amount of maintenance our bodies and our minds need are negligible in yeah. you know when we compare it to that and and are much more complicated systems in fact and we just get the opportunity to take it for granted most times because it works so well right and so it is yeah. never over but but because we are such like amazing sort of powerful organisms then it's going to require some some navigation I really love that. I, and incidentally, I think that that's something that we should all be teaching our children's as, uh, children as well. Like, hey, the body is like miraculous. The fact that you are you with every accident of biology and every, right. like, it's a miracle. Like, it I don't even, I, I'm not even speaking like religiously. I'm just saying right. like, oh, how amazing. How so amazing. That's a really beautiful, beautiful message. And I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to close us out. I'm going to ask the human question. Now, are okay. you ready? We talked about I'm this. I'm ready. Okay. Dr. Harper, tell me what... No, I'm not going to go with that one. Hold on. I'm trying to think about <laughs> it. <laughs> I had one and then I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, what... Actually, what advice do you give your kids about sexual wellness and sexual health? Yeah. Well, my kids are on the younger side, um, but I do have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. I have a, a much younger one who we're still getting there. But here's the deal. Sexual education, sexual health education starts from the time your kids are toddlers. And it starts from teaching them, as you mentioned earlier, the correct names of their body parts, right? So my girls and my son know that the external female genitalia on a girl is called a vulva. It's not and a vagina. Please, please let us draw a distinction between vagina and vulva. They are not interchangeable terms. They refer to different parts of your anatomy. Friends. Yes. Also, really quick, this is my own personal journey in soapbox, but women have one pee hole and that's not, never mind. Yeah. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I just wanted to share that. 
Uh, that's not where I the love tampon it. goes, y'all. Not where the <laughs> I literally had like three dudes telling me that. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. No. I mean, people think that a lot, actually. So if you go to Rosie's Instagram, at meet underscore Rosie, R-O-S-Y, on April Fool's Day, we did a, a graphic that had the penis labeled as testicles and the testicles labeled as penis. And yeah. everyone was like, wait, what? And then we swipe and it was like, April Fool's, but this is what we do to women all the time. Yeah. calling our vulva a vagina but no one no one seems to be outraged about that so yeah anyway that so we've got to start with those <laughs> Sorry, that was like, I just went down like a whole little soapbox all by myself I apologize I know for that. no there's a lot there's a lot of soapboxes um and then you know like little kids touch their genitals they in fact masturbate and these things are fine and so some boundaries we set very early are like hey that is normal that that feels good. That That's totally great and fine. Just go to your room, close the door, and then come back when you're finished, right? Like, let's don't masturbate in the living room. But also, yeah, and wash, <laughs> wash your hands. So that's the thing. It's like conversations like that when they're younger. Yeah. And then, of course, as they get older, teaching them, you know, the right uh, evidence-based amount at the right time. So that's obviously about their bodies and periods. That's about reproduction. And then, you know, I think the conversation about pleasure is, you know, as we, as they get a little older, but it's one that cannot be skipped um, because, you know, most women think that orgasms happen through penis and vagina sex. And the fact of the matter is 87% of women have orgasms through clitoral stimulation, but I get women all the time. Wait, wait, wait. So I totally read that statistic the other day and here's the trip something like 60 percent of men refuse to give oral sex which means that a significant cross-section of human beings who exist in that intersection are not having orgasms not having orgasms not really receiving this the type of stimulation that works for them right (laughs) and so then therefore there's something called the orgasm gap which Lori talks a lot about in her book which is that, um, you know, like 60 something percent of women had an orgasm in their last sexual encounter compared to 87 or 90 percent of men. And it's because of that exact fact, because, you know, women are not being stimulated in the way that they want, then why would they want to be having sex? Like it's all a vicious cycle and it starts with pleasure education, obviously consent, obviously what a healthy relationships look like. And so the more, you know, the, the better you can get at these conversations, but it really does start with banishing that internal shame. Um, and really rewriting that narrative for ourselves so that we can pass on sort of the less faulty one to our kids. So I think it's a very stepwise progression. Do work with yourself, learn about talking to your kids about sexual health, and then you can kind of start to progressively, you know, just bring those tenants into life. I mean, I have a vulva puppet like right here. Like it's my kids are like overwhelmed. Kristen Kristen and I are friends. She has a vulva puppet. puppet. She also has like a, 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 I think she's a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's got she's got all kinds of puppets. Like I love it. Um, okay, that was actually I just want to. That was a really shitty human question, and I kind of oh. like made it up on the spot. Like, no, that your answer was amazing, but like it was really just a continuation of the show. So I have to give you another human question. Okay, okay, okay. What kind of toppings do you like on your pizza? I need to know. Oh. Okay, so my very favorite pizza we get the tiny pepperonis. You know, they're okay. tiny and the edges yeah. curl up. Love those ricotta and fresh basil. Ooh, Chef's kiss. So you're a good. little bit of a purist because there's not a lot of ingredients on that. No, but-, but it is literally the best. I really like the like the pizza dough means a lot to me. Like, is the mozzarella fresh? Like, yes, I'm here for it. Okay, well that that is is an excellent answer. Uh, <laughs> it is an excellent time for us to to 
close it out. Thank you so much, Dr. Harper, for taking time to to speak with us today. I know I, I got very excited and I got very loud with you a couple of times. And I hope you know that it was just because I loved this conversation. Well, me too. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for having me. I never I never mind excited or loud. These are all good indicators okay. for me. Excellent. It's all good. Yes. Excellent. Well, then I will continue to be both excited and loud. Yes. Uh, all right. And friends, I, I will continue to be excited about Full Scale. Of course, you've heard about Full Scale. By now, they are the executive producers of the Start Apostle podcast. They do amazing work. But really, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, Full Scale can help. That's what they're really, 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 really good at. They have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. And friends, I'm going to point you to our top startups episodes. We've talked about these before, but once a month, Matt DeCourcy and I sit down and we talk about amazing startups popping up in amazing cities. Uh, this particular guest, Dr. Lindsay Harper of Rosie, was featured in our top Dallas startups list. I'm pretty sure that that episode aired back in March. So definitely take a, take a look at that. If you're listening to this episode, keep on coming back and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.